Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. For this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Panic. Uh-huh, uh-huh, to be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial, you want with tampering? They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Welcome to a new episode of the Tampering Podcast. I'm Fred Katz, and I am stealing the microphone from Sam Amick today, who is all the way in Phoenix, sitting on a couch somewhere in, in a hotel, and maybe maybe right next to Anthony Slater is in the same hotel. I'm, I'm not totally sure, but, but those guys are rearing up for the finals. I am uh, rearing up for watching the finals on TV, and uh, this, this, this should be fun. Chris Paul has this monster game, and Fred just says, "I'm I'm hosting." No, I'm I'm just shocked that you even showed up. Like I I I would have my head buried in sand somewhere if I were you. Chris not Paul starting off 19 for Chris, 60. Not once <laughs> never missing Chris, again. Not once did I say Chris Paul is going to continue to play poorly. <laughs> I was just commenting how poorly he had played to that moment. And wait that, a minute. That, Slate, wait, Fred, you got it backwards. Like Slater is doing a victory lap. He damn near inspired Chris's performance. Oh, I'll take that too. What are you, you talking about? <laughs> Slater, Slater is is to Chris Paul what Shaq is to Donovan Mitchell. Yes, and to every other can, young star. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he can Dwight Howard and and everybody else. Where right. where he can he can he is perfectly positioned himself to where he can no matter the result, he either inspired him to do it because of his commentary, or I told you all along he couldn't do it. Right, right. All right, boys, before we dive in, and Fred, thank you for emceeing today. um, I just feel like, you know, we spent a long time in the pandemic coming to one another remotely in our own homes, in our offices, in the same spaces. It is refreshing. I'm going to get cheesy and corny here for a second. You know, jumping on a plane with the one and only Anthony Slater, sharing an Uber with Anthony Slater, uh, I've been doing this for a minute, and so I should have been kind of more prepared. Nobody told me that it was hot in Phoenix uh, because I just walked from the lobby of this hotel to the room and am admittedly a little gassed. And uh, and but it's it's just nice to be on the scene. You know what I mean? It's NBA Finals. It's not the matchup that we thought it was going to be. Um, 
you guys know we don't root like we don't have any rooting interest ever about these teams but i'm 100 percent hoping that Giannis is part of this series from the very beginning because no matter how we got here like i think it could be a really fun matchup if both sides are, are ready to roll yeah i mean that's look like we're gonna go over kind of five pressing topics for the series today well, topic one, just get right to it. Yeah, I mean, topic one. topic one is what the heck is going on with Giannis because I, it has to be topic one, right? Because every other topic, I mean, no spoiler alert necessary, every other topic that we touch on is going to be dependent on whether or not Giannis is on the court. He is he is the, the best player in this series. He is the most important player in this series. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Milwaukee played really well without him in five and six against Atlanta, but the Suns are, first of all, Trey Young was hurt too. And, and second of all, the, as, as inspiring as that Hawks run was, the Suns are not the Hawks. They're, they're, a, they're a better team. I mean, this, they're not the fifth seed in the East. You're correct. Um, well, what the hell is going on with the honest <laughs> the original question? Um, how the hell is he maybe going to play in this series after I saw his knee bend that way? You know, I, it's like, the last series I covered, it was Kawhi Leonard was the big star wing that, like, you know, his status was unknown going into the series. The Suns didn't know what team they were preparing for. But even going in, I mean, Sam, you remember, we kind of knew Kawhi was very likely not going to play. And that right. was off, you know, a tweak on, like, you know, kind of like banged with uh, Joe Ingles a little bit where his knee kind of tweaked a little. And that sent him out at this point. You know, he was at least going to miss, like, two weeks. Giannis's knee, I guess it's – maybe because it bent straight back that that doesn't you know alter the structure as much but the fact that he's sitting there on the court today putting his shoes on getting ready to like test his knee and in some practice and like i believe that he legitimately is a game time decision for game one whereas Kawhi felt like the clippers were hiding and told on i think we're going to see Giannis early in the series um which is crazy to me considering like i thought he was done for the season when i saw him right down like no i agree i mean for one um, some of the stuff that we've all seen happen enough to try to read tea leaves. So Giannis doesn't talk for media day today. And I was texting with our Bucks beat writer, Eric name about this and getting his thoughts. And I don't think there is a clear conclusion to pull out of that at all, because you could take it one of two ways. You could take it as game, uh, gamesmanship and the idea that the Bucks want to leave it uncertain. And, you know, even if they might be leaning towards him playing, you know, or that unfortunately maybe he'll be out. I, I will give a hat tip and we'll see if it bears out uh, to a, a colleague and someone who did report on this. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports had indicated that had that last series gone seven games, that Giannis was expected to play in game seven. Now, I don't know if that was premature at that point or if the calculus changes because you're talking about a do or die game seven to get to the finals versus now the idea of could we steal a game without Giannis give him a few, you know, extra days. So we'll see, but I, I'm with you Slater that I think it's close enough that they're, they're chewing on all these approaches. Yeah. This isn't Kawhi. This, this isn't the Kawhi situation. I mean, how, how much does Giannis there versus not there change the series for you guys? Like I, everything, everything I mean, can, can Phoenix, or I should say, can Milwaukee win this series? Let's say hypothetically Giannis misses the first three games, comes back for game four. And you get normal Giannis to, for game four. Can Milwaukee win yeah. the series? Yes, but they would have to be, they'd have to steal one of the first three. And they could, you know, they could win one, 
one of the first two without Giannis, but can they win four over seven games without Giannis? No, we just saw it with like, to me, it is, it's very similar to the series that me and Sam just covered, which is like, you know, the Clippers stole two games without Kawhi Leonard, but the Clippers were never winning four games in that series without Kawhi. And that to me is, it's this, it's the same situation with Milwaukee. They could hold the fort to game four. And then suddenly if you're telling me it's two, one Suns, but game four in Milwaukee and Giannis is coming back and looking pretty good. Milwaukee's right in the middle of the series. Um, I he think, has to be how do you guys see the, to that point, how do you see the, the Middleton, holiday factor and not to jump too far ahead into topic two but like i they have this fascinating dynamic on the bucks where obviously common sense dictates you take a two-time mvp off the floor you're in a tougher spot but there is a ripple effect or a connection between the way that chris and drew play with Giannis versus without Giannis. chris in particular gets loose you know drew does his thing the other night you saw people tweeting about how and mike budenholzer needs to find a way to have this Drew Holiday be there all the time when Giannis is on the floor. And that's something that they've dealt with where it's like, you know, some, uh, you know, in between of the, you know, the sum being greater than the whole, the sum of the parts, it's, it, they don't have that. They, they have parts that seem to take away from one another at times. And the flip side to me, and the idea that I do think the Bucks could steal some games without Giannis is that given the Suns all the credit in the world for getting here, but they showed, against the Clippers some pretty significant I thought inconsistency you know where Devin was spectacular early and then you know cooled off a little bit later in the series even guys like campaign they were you know world beaters one minute and then struggling to find their way again I think it's going to be one of those series where a bunch of these it's not the role players it's like the second stars and the third guy um, there is an element of not knowing what they're going to be giving you not in not out can, you can add Chris Paul into that inconsistency basket. Here don't, we go. Here we go. Don't be afraid. <laughs> um, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, you know, I give him a little leeway for, you know, COVID and shoulder problems. And yes. I mean, what's what's so weird, and, and Sam, that's a good point with kind of how Drew Holiday especially was just so much more aggressive after Giannis got hurt in five and six. And I don't know. Like, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing. I, I don't know if, if Giannis being out is kind of a blessing in disguise kind of thing, where, okay, now now Drew kind of found his confidence, he found his rhythm, and he's he's really going right now, and then he's able to implement that in the final series against Phoenix, or if it's the other way around, where that was just further evidence that it's not there with Giannis. Weird stat from the playoffs, they're about four points per 100 possessions worse when Drew Holiday plays with Giannis than without on offense. And that's such a weird thing. Like you bring in Drew Holiday because he's the improvement over Eric Bledsoe because he's the secondary or sometimes primary ball handler with Giannis. And it looked great during the regular season. It looked great when those three with Middleton were playing together during the regular season. And there Drew Holiday just seems to lose his aggressiveness when he's next to Giannis sometimes. And uh I I hope that he's able to carry it over to the finals what he did in 5 and 6 cuz he was he was so so good in five and six. Fred, can you real quick? Um, and apologies, could you repeat that stat? And I only asked that because I'm going to steal a bit from L. Duncan at ESPN, who cracked me up the other day. She had Malika Andrews on with Tim Bontemps. They were in the same hotel, so a little bit like Slater and I at the moment. And she finished her segment by announcing hilariously that they were standing in front of the most distracting curtains in the history of television. You are in front of the two most distracting 1800 dresses 
in the history of podcasting. <laughs> so I missed the stat because my mind was just trying to figure out, you know, if you were an extra in Little House in the Prairie. That's, so could you repeat that stat? <laughs> that is that is true. I actually am <laughs> I actually am an extra in Little House in the Prairie. It's in it's in Leave It to Beaver, actually. They they, they, they we use nice. the same set. Uh no four the Bucks are four points per hundred uh worse on offense when when Drew is on the floor with Giannis than without Giannis. Okay. And it's yeah. it's 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 passing the eye test and it, it shouldn't be that way and it shouldn't make sense, but when you watch them play in this playoff run, it it it, it kind of does. And and I just wonder if that that aggressiveness from Middleton and from Giannis and from from Holiday that we really saw on both sides of the floor is going to carry into the finals if uh right. if Giannis is there. So right. our second topic um on uh, Andrew's uh, beautiful list is CP3 versus Drew Holiday. And so I mean, I feel like this is an easy transition to it because we're talking a bunch about Drew Holiday. Um, I actually think Drew Holiday on Devin Booker matters more in the series. Um, he is kind of, you know, you watch the two regular season games, he's on Booker a lot. And really, I just like the way Holiday can shift from a wing to a guard. Uh, you know, I, I covered a Pelicans Warriors series back in the day where he was, you know, New Orleans' best option on Steph Curry and on Kevin Durant. And that just tells you, like, you know, th- that's why everybody was so high on that trade, uh, or at least the Drew Holiday edition. Maybe didn't like how much they gave up. But um, I think, you know, maybe his offense will be there or it won't be if Giannis is there or not. But uh, to me, like, his defensive work is just so massive in this series. Um, avoiding foul trouble. Devin Booker in the regular season matchups, which were both one-point really high-scoring games. Um, Devin Booker kind of got off a few times and, and Holiday, he's really good, but he can be kind of handsy at times. And Booker really kind of drew some fouls on him. So um, that's what I'm looking at. Slater, to, to build off what you're saying on, on the point guard matchup, you guys know, you know, as writers, we're always kind of suckers for subplots and, and what-if scenarios, right? It's pretty fascinating that you're talking about a matchup here where if you go back to last offseason, the Bucks lose to the Heat, the Bucks are trying to figure out what to do next. You hear right away that Bucks brass, so to speak, is very disappointed in the shooting. Eric Bledsoe's name all of a sudden was kind of mud because he struggled. George Hill maybe on the way out of town. And they're contemplating the point guard spot, right? Well, Chris Paul was a consideration or could have been at the time, a very real one. And right out the gate, and I wrote this at the time, it was made pretty clear to me that that just wasn't necessarily, you know, kind of the direction they wanted to go. And it was, I think there were elements of, for one, Giannis has been real vocal and influential internally about the types of personalities that, you know, he wants to play with uh, and what kind of players he wants to play with. And all I know is that they, they, they quickly pivoted away from Chris and went to somebody like Drew, who was 100%, you know, Giannis was giving a big thumbs up on that one. Um, you know, it's one of those things. Hindsight's 2020. We'll never know how Chris would have looked in a, you know, in green, or if that would have trade even would have worked out. That's a long ways from LA, by the way, where his family lives. So I don't even know if Chris had any interest in going and I'm sure that played a part, but, and you also, I mean, the bucks are here too, right? I mean, they're on this stage, but it is, uh, it's been on my mind lately, just that, that hypothetical of, of what might've been with Chris and Milwaukee. I think the other thing that has to come into that conversation too, though, is as, as great as Chris Paul was this year and as great as he is, he's 36 years old. And, yeah, and, you got to get the Drew, age track. Yeah, Drew is what 30, 30, 30, 
he's not older than 31, right? 30, 31 years old. And it's not like he's, you know, a spring chicken, but he's got years left. They're able to extend him. And, and, you know, it's not like Milwaukee was in a position. Exactly. So, so everyone talks about how desperate Milwaukee is, but in some ways it's not, it's not a desperation in that you have to do it to bring back Giannis because he already extended. I I realize he extended after the, after the move. Uh, but a Drew Holiday trade allows you to extend your window too. You know, as great as Chris Paul is, I don't think we expect him to be doing this at forty. 100%. I mean, think about it, he'd have to go like super vegan to be able to do this at forty. Are you, yeah, are you doubting him? <laughs> he's he's only going to be like a he's going to be like a forager. He just eats his stuff directly out of the ground, just gets on his hands and knees and eats out of the ground. It to sounds stay like healthy. a terrible show on the Food Network where they yeah. try to combine Marvel with what they do. And no, so, you're right, Fred. It would it would be a much better, or I'm sorry, a much tougher narrative for the Bucks if they had never gotten their hands on somebody like Drew Holiday, right? Like if they didn't check that box, then they would look terrible because Chris is a, a hell of a lot better than almost every option out there. But you're dead on, as you guys know. When it comes to team building, that is a major factor. Is you know trying to line up the age ranges, and Giannis is obviously a lot younger than than Drew, but it does. It gives them a uh, a pathway it gives them runway and, and it was smart i just i just also remember how quickly they they kind of you know look the other way I, th- I think the other thing uh, with that decision and, and why they like holiday maybe more than paul um i think that milwaukee's identity is just this just huge defensive team um and drew holiday is a huge guard i mean right. drew holiday can guard devin booker will guard devin booker a lot in the series let's say they had chris paul in this theoretical you know, series where Chris Paul's facing Chris Paul. Chris Paul wouldn't guard him. <laughs> I, mean, right. I just mean like like Drew Hall. You have Drew Holiday. Who else do they add this season? PJ Some Tucker, inception basketball talk here. Yeah. Switchable big defender. Bobby Portis is out there. He's used Giannis, Middleton, Brooke Lopez. Milwaukee and Monty Williams has said this in his two press conferences uh, already. Like they're just a much bigger team than they've you know, it's a little maybe similar to what they faced in the first round when they were at their most vulnerable against the Lakers. The Lakers are the other really big team in the, in the league. Um, and that's Milwaukee. If Milwaukee's going to win this series, they're just going to physically surprise Phoenix in the first game. Fred, so I hate so to one like, of the things. Yeah, Sam, go ahead. I'm just I'm just a terrible person for doing this. I, I gave you 12 minutes before I decided to grab the mic back real quick. But like, can, can we do you guys mind if we swap the next two topics? Because I know we were going to talk Booker against Middleton and the wings, but I, Fred, in honor of you, I just think it's been way too long since we talked about a Lopez brother. And I feel like the, the big man matchup does fascinate me because, you know, the Deandre Aiden, you know, again, like everybody else and you know, on the Suns, has been a little bit up and down, but had some really fantastic moments. And I think we could be in for some fun, like old school fun when it comes to the bigs, you know what I mean? Like, like Brooke showed when Giannis was out, that he could go back to what they call him before Brooklyn Brook and, you know, his Nets days where it was, you know, just put him down in the post. And I think he only shot two threes when he had 28 points and very old school way of doing it. DeAndre, whether it's rim running, whether it's him just going down and, and, and dominating the pain himself has been fun to watch. I think that's going to be a major X factor here. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What kind of defense you think they're going to play? Because that's, that's going to be a lot of what Brooke does, right? I mean, has have we as a collective basketball media, by the way, have we like ever harped on pick and roll defensive strategy? more than we do with this specific Milwaukee team. I feel like it's right. the Milwaukee narrative going into every series. But uh, how do you think, because they, they switched a lot in those final few games. And for all the talk of Bud makes no adjustments and they, they only run their drop coverages, I mean, they switched a lot. And Phoenix is perfectly contoured to go against the drop coverage with the way that Chris Paul shoots mid-range shots and Devin Booker shoots shoots mid-range shots and Cameron Payne shoots mid-range shots. I mean, those guys are are really good there. And there are ways you can run a drop against that. Like, I think some people think that a drop, you just have to hang around the hoop and that's it. But, like, Brooke can, you know, Chris Paul likes to take his mid-range from 14, 15 feet. Brooke can drop to, you know, come out from the paint a little bit uh, and, and at least try to turn those into 18-footers. Um but ultimately, like I feel like they're gonna switch, and I'm they switched with Lopez during that series against Atlanta, and uh, you know Phoenix has a lot of ball handlers that can hurt you, and and that's gonna be, I I think Lopez is capable, he's a much better defender than he gets credit for, but it, yeah, that is cap- gonna be really interesting. Capable enough, and like then the idea in your mind, you're thinking, man, if they're switching, then suddenly Brooke Lopez is out on an island, and Chris Paul's dancing with Brooke Lopez, and that's terrible for Milwaukee, but. I don't know that that is. I mean, we saw it in the Clippers series when Phoenix was at its worst when they tried to really pick on a matchup instead of playing their more flowing style. Suddenly, Mikel Bridges right. is, is invisible because he's, like, told not to cut because Chris Paul's over there isolating against Marcus Morris is who we saw it a lot in the Clippers series. Um, so, you know, I think Milwaukee's feeling okay if, if Chris Paul is dancing into an 18-footer against Brook Lopez. Maybe he creates the space and gets it off, and maybe he hits it at a decent clip and they win. But uh, I think – Fred, you're right. I think it's going to be some – I think early on in the series they'll try some drop coverage where maybe, like you said, you're dropping only 14 feet out instead of at the rim. And then maybe test some switching early on. And then once Giannis, if Giannis gets back in, maybe you, you – and maybe they're down 2-1, something like that. You, you put I mean, I feel like this is you know largely what Bud has been preparing for a little bit, right? Like this whole regular season, you know, something that, that again, our guy Eric Name chronicled so well was, that Bud, you know, who had been accused for so long of not making the right adjustments, that he started that prep work early with the switching and getting new stuff in defensively so they'd be more versatile this time of year. And, I mean, to me, the switching is certainly the way to go. And, and Slater, it does remind me it's, it's not a direct parallel, but, I mean, this Chris Paul team with the Suns, Devin Booker playing the part of James Harden, you know, and, and bigs that are not all that different from the Capellas and the Dwight Howards that the Warriors faced back in the day, you know, and, and the Warriors switching was incredibly effective for the most part against those Rockets. Yeah, the only, I You're mean, not the difference would be, well, that, the Warriors were at their most no devastating switching when it was Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green five, and right. Kevin Durant at the 3-4-5, whereas, right. you know, Brooke Lopez is a target. And, like, you know, they're, um, they, they just, they have, they have very good, you know, you go to P.J. Tucker at the 5, 
Um, and, you know, that's he can be part of a switching defense. I think they have options. I mean, but you need Giannis to, to be out there captain. Right. Yeah, the other the other thing with no Giannis is that like if it's Bobby Portis out there, then then that changes things a lot too because you know Portis, you know, with, when you have it's Devin Booker or Chris Paul dancing against Portis, that's different than them doing it against. Well, Giannis. and the PJ point that you made, Slater, I love because you know again a little bit of irony there. I mean, that was the Rockets' tuck wagon lineup. Shout out John Fagan of the. Houston Chronicle, when they would run PJ at the five, the, the Rockets over those years when they kept getting beat over the head by the Warriors had, you know, that was their counter, right? That's what they tried to, to come up with to uh, to combat what the Warriors were bringing them. Bobby Portis may, Portis may have had the worst drop instance I've ever seen. When he, he was the reason why uh, Trey Young was sitting there shimmying before he was shooting the three. Bobby Portis was <laughs> sitting there with Trey Young. Uh, and just letting him shoot over three. So Bobby Portis has some some defensive holes, and he'll probably be starting uh, if Giannis can't play. I think the other side, though, we're not talking about enough. You know, you mentioned this whole Aiton Brook Lopez matchup. Aiton didn't guard Brook Lopez in the regular season. Monty Williams did not start Jay Crowder in either of the Bucks games. This is what I'm writing about in the preview that should be up on the website. But he started Frank Kaminsky one game and Dario Sarge the other in a two-big lineup. And he had Kaminsky one game, Sarge the other, start guarding Brook Lopez because he needed DeAndre Aiton to guard Giannis. DeAndre Ayton was the primary Giannis defender, and that's what Giannis does. He's a wing, but you can't really guard him with wings. I saw him a couple times go right through Cam Johnson, Right through Jay Crowder. I, have you seen Giannis's numbers against the Suns this season? No. 80 points in two games. I think he was 21 to 28 at the rim. He got 31 free throws in two games. He killed him. Um, and, you know, Aiton didn't do that good a job, but he did his best a job, mm-hmm. or he did a better job than anyone else. And um, if Giannis is in this series, it kind of screws with Phoenix's defense because Aiton has to guard him. And then you're probably going to still start Jay Crowder. I do think Monty Williams won't start Kaminsky or Sarich. But then Jay Crowder's on Brooke Lopez, and then you worry about the offensive glass. Like that does kind of mess up the matchup because because Aiton's used to guard, you know, he guarded Zubac. He did some small stuff, but you're the primary honest defender. That's tough. You guys want to move on to point three? We ready for it? We ready Let's for uh, Devin, Book- was, Devin Booker versus Middleton and the Wings? Mic drop that Giannis is important in the series. It took us 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> well, I just mean his, like, he just. <laughs> Aiton having to no, guard you're dead on. a non-center, right? It, it 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 messes up the formula, and then also Brooke Lopez shoots. Brooke Lopez has taken 51 threes in the playoffs, and like Aiton hasn't really guarded that. We talk about all these tests he's passed, and he has. You know, the AD, the Lakers test, Nikola Jokic as an isolation post guy that was tough. The Clippers small ball was a different test. And the NBA's just got varieties of challenges, and this is just a new one. He's either guarding a stretch five in Brooke Lopez. Or a downhill wing, it's it's interesting. A downhill wing is a two-time MVP. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm throwing this topic out there, and then as you guys know, I'm bouncing off the pot early. Uh, topic number three. Uh, Brook Lopez is he the best player? In this <laughs> <season>? <laughs> More uh, Brook Lopez. Dev, De- uh, That's where you mic drop. Brook Brook Lopez versus Robin Lopez's hook shot. That is the topic. Uh, Devin Booker versus Middleton and the Bucks wings. I think that um, Middleton is such – I mean, he's might be the key player in the series. Well, I don't know what his numbers were those last two Atlanta games. Um, but, 
you know, if he, if he plays to me, Mikael Bridges is a name, you know, he mentioned Booker against Middleton and the wings. Like Mikael Bridges is probably going to get a lot of the Middleton assignment. Mikael Bridges didn't really defend Paul George that well um, during the, the Clippers. Here. There was times he did. I just, if he can have a better series, if he can hold Middleton just somewhat of an inefficient night, nights, whatever, um, I think that's how Phoenix turns. The, Phoenix was, I think they're like a two-to-one favorite in Vegas. Um, Mikel Bridges limiting Middleton, because I think Booker's going to get off on the other end at times. But I, I don't know. What do you think, Sam? I just like the way Middleton played to finish the last series. And, you know, again, it's these, it's these guys that are all-star caliber and all-stars, period, who still come and go. Um, you know, and Devin, you, you give him a little leeway because he's been so good for a guy who had never been in the postseason. But Chris in particular is a guy that I just, you know, you, you kind of reach the point where you're hoping that he, he's, he's kind of grown over the course of these past few postseasons to where the consistency would be there. You hear guys say all the time, the greats and the best guys in the league that like the consistency is the toughest thing. And especially on this stage. And that's where, as you break down the, the matchup overall, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably picking the bucks if they have Giannis, because, you know, you talk about Aiden not to go too far afield, but you talk about Aiden a little bit and how good he's been. Well, a guy like that, where it's not only his first playoffs, but he's only a few years in the league and you're going to have a little bit of a babe in the woods, I think, fear when it comes to just the life experience like DeAndre was literally just sticking his head out of a sunroof you know going through masses of Suns fans celebrating the West Finals and even kind of something he talked about was like the moment was so long and special for him that he, he soaked it all up but all right now you're still playing and now you got a Bucks team that has been trying to get here for several years Middleton's at the center of, of that in terms of their culture we talk about Giannis almost every time with the Bucks, but Chris has been there with him almost every step of the way. And, you know, and so just in terms of a headspace kind of element, I guess, uh, I feel like I'm probably going to rock with him on the consistency front. But, you know, what do you think? I think lining him up with Booker on this question is uh, potentially, like, informative. Like, I think whoever scores the most out of those two are my favorite in the series. I do, you know, because – they're the, they're the type of guys that, and we've seen it with Booker in this playoffs. There's been moments he had the 40, 11, 13 or whatever to, to, to lead the conference finals. And he just, he won the game almost by himself. He won the uh, Lakers closeout with 47 points uh, just because he came out. He was super aggressive. He was hitting deep threes, early clock. There wasn't really a defense to stop him because he's just coming off the screen 28 feet. And it was that kind of night for him. And I think we've seen a little of that with Middleton. I mean, he killed the Hawks season the other night. I didn't think both teams were playing that well, but there was just a few little patches within the game where it was just like, oh, middle, Middleton's jumper's feeling good. And he's just boom, boom, boom. It was like 3-3 three, three, mid-range jumper, 8-0 Chris Middleton run. And, and, and those were the pockets where I think Milwaukee won that game. And I've seen him do it in these playoffs, and I've seen Booker do it in these playoffs. And um, I think the only way – Milwaukee survives early in the series as if Middleton has at least one of those games in these first two in Phoenix. Um, because I, you know, even if we see Giannis, as you saw with Trey Young, a hobbled star is not the same as a full throttle star. So, right. um, you know, those Trae two. Young, Chris Paul. I mean, every time somebody's come yeah. back, that's the other thing. And, and you're right. I mean, Giannis, if he's out there, everybody's going to be thinking it's, it's a Willis Reed moment. And it might take a game, might take a game and a half for him to find his way. 
yeah, you know, I watched uh, all of his, you know, I told you 80 points against the Pucks or against the Suns in two games this season. And it is, it was, it's just impressive offense. Everything right. at the rim, he's, he's speeding by, he's kind of getting the running head started eight. And who's, you know, of course they're playing the sagging defense, giving him the jumper. And he's just not, he, he's not settling. He's going by him with a burst. Um, he's going right through Cam Johnson. And I'm watching that going, well, you know, his knee is doing a lot here, right? It's, it's burst and power. And it's a lot. And I'm like, from where I saw him bend his knee, what at this point, like six days ago, um, I, I mean, he's clearly super tough to even try to get back by this point. But that's you know, not it, though, right? I mean, that's like AD trying to play in that first round yeah, series. That's, like, that's not how this works. Lift, yeah, what right. kind of lift do you have? What kind of burst? And right. so, you know, I'm not, I don't expect him to be necessarily like a huge liability. Like you couldn't – like Davis was to the point that even if the Lakers tried to play, he would have been a huge liability. Maybe Giannis doesn't go out there as a liability. But the reason why they were in those games with the Suns this season is because he was dominant. He was 40 right. points. He was right, right, right. And I, that's tough for me to see uh, before at least the middle of the series. All right, Slater, we're going to take a quick commercial break. On the back end of this thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script a little bit. And rather than diving into the role players, topic number five, because you and I are on the scene, we're going to jump off the court a little bit. We had ourselves a little Uber ride rolling in, a little local conversation. And, and I think we've already gotten a, a taste of how the Valley is feeling about the Suns being in this thing. So we'll get into that in just a second here. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we are back, Mr. Slater. So Fred is off to the dentist, taking care of his grill, something everybody's got to do. Uh, man, we're in Phoenix. You're muted, us my Phoenix friend. Natives, us Phoenix natives need to uh, discuss what's going on here. That's why we came. <laughs> I don't think we qualify as natives, but we, uh, yes, we're, we're, you know, we're visitors. We're here. And uh, we are unintentionally, by the way, not to, pull the curtain back too far i think we're in the bucks hotel so we're we're kind of behind the sun's enemy lines and and you know listen this final series is fun from the fan standpoint because as much as i enjoyed all those years running with you and the rest of our crew covering warriors calves when that just became a year after year after year after year after year affair five in a row this is different you got the bucks have not been to the finals since 1974 uh, they lost in seven games to the Boston Celtics and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, by the way, I looked at this today had uh, he hits a, a sky hook on the right side with three seconds left in double overtime in game six to push game seven. And then Boston runs away within a game seven. But the last time the Bucks were here, they dropped the finals long, long, long time ago. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson and that group. 
Um, on the Sun side, not quite as long, but it's still a long time. 1993, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, Paul Westfall coaching them. So on the Phoenix side, just, man, people are fired up. And you and I saw that in the last series when we were in Phoenix, you know, in the arena. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Tons of energy. But in general, your thoughts on the freshness and, you know, the newness that comes with these fan bases being on the stage. We didn't just see it on our uh, last trip, or we saw it on our Uber ride to the hotel today from the airport. <laughs> uh, we, Shout our driver, out our guy's name. What was his name? Uh, man, I, I need to look on my Uber app. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. But when uh, he was saying what was he was going to church camp, or he was at church camp in 1993, and right. uh, he's huddling around listening to the radio, and John Paxson hits the game six shot um, that, that – uh, I guess sealed the Phoenix's loss in that series. Yep. And then, you know, he started mentioning the other names and he was kind of a fired up dude. And he started talking about Tom Chambers and those Suns teams. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, usually when I come here, you know, in the past years, when I'm covering the Warriors, covering the Thunder, I'm coming to a regular season Suns game when they're 13th in the conference. Nobody, you know, if I'm talking to an Uber driver and they don't even know the Phoenix Suns, like record, right. they, don't, they don't care. They could probably name two players. Um, right. I've never seen because from when I I know you have a little bit different experience because you were here, you know Nash days 2010, um, and maybe you could speak a little about the rejuvenation. But I've never seen it like this at all because because they've just stunk ever since I've been here. They've almost particularly within the Warriors organization been I don't want to say like a laughing stock, but you have a lot of people within the Warriors who had left the Suns and were yeah. like, man, yeah, 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 the Sarver situation and what what that organization had become post Nash um, was almost like, you know, they'd go there. The funny thing is they love going to Phoenix. So it was like sun golf, see a lot of people they knew in the organization and then pound the songs. They used to just come and pound them, including and, and an imposing fan base that during that time was not particularly passionate or toxic or tough to play against War warriors fans or even there all the time. Right. I mean, I, right. I, they would get hit up with, with, I remember I had, I, I, professional baseball player brandon morrow uh who who grew up in the same hometown he's a warriors fan and he'd be down here for like spring training he, he he'd hit me up like oh the warriors in town you know like can i uh, i got tickets tonight like let's chill these this is the only game i'll go to because it's warriors right um, and to the point that now i mean they look not only like you know they're, they're the team of the moment in the west but i mean who has a better next five years in the West than the Suns? I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they gotta, they gotta resign Chris Paul. So assuming that happens, you know, that's important. Um, but you're right, man, that the fan base had, had kind of taken a hiatus with good reason. You know, it was, it was a bad stretch and nothing they did worked. And it's funny, the people I think about out here get a little bit personal for a moment, but one of my dad's best friend on the planet, my late dad's best friend, Rich Brown is, is a lifelong friend who passed away last year and was from Phoenix and a big, big Suns fan. And I always think about Rich when I'm here because he was all in on Nash and Stoudemire and D'Antoni and that crew in seven seconds or less. And then when I would come on occasional road trips, like very infrequent during the down years, there was like this kind of moroseness about if, if he and I talked about the Suns and I got a real taste of the local attitude where it was just like, man, I don't know what those Suns people did after, you know, Nash left and D'Antoni left and they were disappointed. It, it, it was a fun run where they obviously never reached the peak they were hoping for, but, you know, but folks didn't know why it was happening. Even, even our driver today, 
I, I checked him a little bit because he started blaming Jerry Colangelo for all of the, the sun's ales. And, and I'm kind of sitting there going, ah, I mean, Jerry had a pretty good run. And not only that, I mean, if you go even farther back into the eighties, you know, help shepherd them through, you know, the, the drug crisis that the sons had at the time. And they've been through a lot as an organization. Um, but when the team is good, it's on the short list for me of just most electric places to watch a game, most engaged fan bases all around town. You know, we're staying out in Scottsdale and I covered the 2010 conference finals between the Suns and the Lakers with Kobe and Nash and, and all those guys and fantastic games, fantastic theater. And when you would hit the town at night to go get dinner and whatnot, you know, just Suns gear everywhere. Um, they, our driver today, how do you describe it, Slater? He was saying, oh, Suns fans are they're courteous, but they're, you know, but they're intense. Courteous, but yeah. wild. Courteous, but, but wild. wild. But they're courteous. I, I, all I could think about was the Suns and four guy. He wasn't all that courteous to the uh, the Nuggets fan, but you know, you got your outliers. But it is, wild man. It's a fun. Sure. Yeah, wild for sure. Um, but it is going to be fun. That place is going to be crazy. It's going to be nothing but Suns fans. I think any Bucks fans that thought about, you know, traveling and and stealing a few tickets probably did not have any success. So I think in terms of these first two games, uh, the, the home court advantage is going to be very real. Yeah, no, um, and you know it's, and it's also, I know obviously that the sport is played indoors, but it's it's always interesting to be, like we're in a desert city in the middle of summer, um, and to me that adds to just the the rowdiness around the arena. It's like people in board shorts and like you know jerseys without sleeves, and it's a hundred degrees, and they're getting hammered off beer, and they're just rolling into the arena from from this you know. 105 degree weekend day and then they're just having a great time and then walking out into like you know it's dark at night and it's like still 90 degrees and i don't know that just adds like the party atmosphere they're coming up to scottsdale and um right it's, i mean it's a fun place it's a little I different later than the, the diamondbacks environment that you introduced me to a couple of weeks ago and when we went and saw their uh their when 17 game out, losing streak snapped. <laughs> they snapped it yeah were hyped. exactly exactly all right, brother. Good stuff. I think we're going to end it there, but it should be a fun finals. We'll be back next week. I think at that point, it'll be heading into game three, maybe game four. I'm not sure. Game, game yeah, game three is – no, no, no. It'll be heading into game four because game three is Sunday, game four is – All right. Well, here's to hoping we've seen some Giannis by that point, that everybody else has stayed healthy, and, and it should be a fun one. We'll enjoy it. Thanks for joining us as always, folks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.